All right, hey, here's what I want to do with you this evening. Uh, I have a message that I want to give to you out of the Gospels, and the title of tonight's message is Small, Hidden, Insignificant, and Obscure. Small, Hidden, Insignificant, and Obscure, and I want to talk to you about the mystery of God's kingdom and how he often works, but before we do that, I want to tell you maybe just a couple stories, because we're going to read the words of Jesus, and uh, we're going to read some of the stories that he tells. But I want to tell you a little story about my life uh, in a room a lot like this. When I was younger than most of you, I got really touched by God. I was like maybe, maybe 17 years old. Maybe, maybe I was just 16. It was 16 or 17. I was brand new in a vineyard church. Uh, I didn't know what the vineyard was. In fact, no one at my vineyard church knew what the vineyard was. That's not a joke. It's actually true. That's another story. I don't have time to tell you that. But in an effort to sort of understand what is the vineyard or what is this thing we had become a part of, they sent me and one of my friends. He was 15 years old. They sent us to Anaheim, California. And they sent us to this Winds of Worship conference. I mean, it wasn't the same as this, but it was kind of the same as this. Part of the reason I'm telling you this story is because this is why in the vineyard we do things like we're doing this weekend here, right? So I show up at this conference in California, right there at the mothership in Anaheim, and I'm sitting about two-thirds of the way up, and worship is incredible. I really don't have words for it. I've not seen this before, and John Wimber actually preaches that night. Uh, I got to see him. This is just a few months before he died. He had Nothing energetic or charismatic left in his body. He was spraying fake pig spit in his mouth. His saliva glands were gone. Uh, disease had basically taken his body at that point. But while he was speaking, with very little energy left in his person, the Holy Spirit was rocking the room. Like you couldn't connect what John was doing to what was happening in the room. Does that make sense? You wouldn't go, oh, this is some kind of a trick from the guy, you know? You couldn't even say it's power of suggestion because the suggestion coming from him is like, we should all die, right? <laughs> it was just like, wow, here we are. Anyway, so what ends up happening is the spirit is touching the room in a powerful way. Some of you are like, that seems like an, an inappropriate joke to tell about the founder of the vineyard. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait, it gets worse, people, okay? <laughs> anyway, afterwards, <clears throat> afterwards, John says, if you're 28 and under, you need to come to the front because it's important that this thing we have in the vineyard gets transferred to the next generation. And I was like, well, I'm like 17, so I go to the front. And when I go to the front, a man prays for me, but I don't know who he is and he doesn't know who I am. I've since come to know that man who prayed for me, but he stood in front of me, and as loud as a human being can possibly yell, <laughs> he screamed the word freedom into my stomach. <laughs> now, you might be thinking, this sounds weird. It was the 90s. <laughs> it was renewal and Braveheart had been out. <laughs> so I got William Wallace straight in the stomach, 
And as one does, I went straight to the ground. I wasn't even really all of that sure that's what you're supposed to do. But I really didn't have a choice. I went to the ground. God did things to me. And the only thing I can say about what God did to me was I became profoundly aware that I was his son, that I made him happy, and I could feel the love of the Father, not intellectually, but actually in my person, right? It's like, it's like whatever I had known about God or the love of God, it made, it made that little journey from my head to my heart. Does that make sense? I got up, got my friend. We went back to our hotel, and we go to get into our hotel, and you use the, you know, the little magic key, the little magnetic magic key, and we tried to get into the room, and it didn't work. I'm like, well, that's weird. So I went back to the person at the front desk. They gave me another key. I went in, and then the next day, we're to check out and go back home, and so I give them my credit card, and she runs the credit card, but it doesn't work. It's like not working. She's like, I don't know what's going on here, but for whatever reason, your credit card's not working. And it wasn't that it was declining. It wasn't reading anything. The other weird thing was that morning when I got up, I had looked at my watch and it was dead. And it was frozen. It said 909. It's from the night before. Why am I telling you this? I don't know exactly what happened to me when I got William Wallace. But everything electronic and magnetic on my person died in that moment, right? Now, you might be thinking, some of you are really concerned, like, how did you get out of California? You know, you're back at that detail. Uh, they had also given us some cash. I paid the lady we left, right? But it was more than just everything electronic, battery-operated, magnetic strip. It wasn't just that those things got zapped in that moment, but something got zapped in me. By the way, this is a fairly typical vineyard story. You hang around the vineyard long enough, you'll probably get zapped. Here's the only trouble with getting zapped. If there's any trouble, it's, it's this. If you get really zapped, and if your watch dies, and your credit card dies, and your room key dies, then you think the only way that God works is he zaps people. I've come to call this the fast work of God. Anybody in the room ever experienced the fast work of God? How, how many of you like the fast work of God? You're like, I like it and I want more of it. Uh, that's great, so do I. In fact, one of the reasons we do events like this is because we're just making space for us to encounter the Spirit of God. And part of what he wants to do tonight, part of what he started this afternoon was the zapping work that is the fast work of God. But how many of you know that if you walk with Jesus long enough, he's not going to zap everything out of your life? Some of what God does, here's what I've actually come to know, most of what God does is not the fast work of God, it's the slow work of God. And so that's what I wanna to talk to you about tonight. I wanna to talk to you about the mysterious nature of the kingdom. I wanna to talk to you about small, hidden, insignificant, and obscure. And I want to do this by noticing a couple stories that Jesus tells, little parables. You guys notice how often Jesus tells stories? Yeah, it's his preferred method. How many of you have ever read a little parable of Jesus and in doing so, like maybe you get up uh, at eight in the morning and you read your Bible, one little parable of Jesus, and then all day long, you just have it like rolling around in your head. 
It's genius, isn't it? You just, you remember stories. I'll tell you a couple more stories before I get into Jesus stories. By the way, this next story I'm going to tell you, it has nothing to do with the message, right? It's just really weird. I was sitting over here during worship. <clears throat> the story's not that weird. It's weird what happened. I'm sitting over here during worship, and I know I'm about to talk to you guys about some parables and stories of Jesus, and my kids start texting me, and they start texting me all these like little family stories. It's really strange. Just, out, just a moment ago, they start texting me some family stories, some really funny ones, right? My, my son River texted me a moment ago. He says, hey, Dad, you remember that time you and I were in Target? Do you guys have Target over here? I don't, what, what do you have? I can't even understand it. You know what you have. We have like Target or Walmart. Like we have, we have, where, I'm, where I live, we have Walmart. And then when you go to the city, you have Target. Target's like bougie Walmart. <laughs> but we were, in, we were in Target one time and my son River and I, we got in the toy aisle because that's what you do with your kids. You go to the toy aisle and you, and you, do, you just play with the toys, right? And so we got, we got the Nerf swords and we started fighting each other. And eventually the fight got so vigorous, the two of us got kicked out of Target. <laughs> yeah. And then another time, and this is another thing that happened to my family. Another time, another time uh, my wife, we were going to go, I, I want to say we were going to go mountain biking or something like that. And for whatever reason, she was needing to find something that she felt like was in Seth's backpack. That's my second-born son, Seth. So she was rummaging through his backpack, and she found like 14 pairs of dirty socks, and then she found two vape pens. <laughs> and you can imagine how well this went over, right? But River's texting me that today, and now the family's all laughing about it. It's become a hugely funny story in our family. Some other funny moments. One time, my son Rowan, he's the little guy in my family. Uh, one time at his birthday, we had uh, done the thing where you sing happy birthday and you, you light the candles and it's his moment to blow the, the cake out, you know, to blow the candles out. And it's an ice cream cake and he wanted to keep it all for himself, so he spit on the cake. <laughs> Some of you are like, this is a really weird sermon. <laughs> Oh, just hang in there, kids. Yeah. The, the truth is, is I could give everybody in this room the microphone, and you could tell me like five stories like that from your family, can't you? Like things that just get told over and over. That's the power of story. Like you just, you know, if you want to do the, the work of, of the kingdom, you got you to gotta tell some stories. And so we have these stories in our family. And in the Bible, Jesus has stories too. And I, I just want to read you two really tiny ones right out of Matthew chapter 13. These are some of Jesus' most famous ones, and they're, they're really short. These are back-to-back. -back. It says this, Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. Here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree. The birds come and make nests in its branches. That's the kingdom of heaven, y'all. It's like this little seed becomes a big tree, and the birds live in it. How's that for clarity? Wouldn't you love it if your pastor just got up in front of you on Sunday morning and was like, the kingdom of heaven is like a tiny seed you put it in the ground and comes a tree and birds live in it and then just walks off the stage. <laughs> I literally think that Jesus did that sometime. I think he would tell those stories and just leave. And then he went on and he said this. He said, 
Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, a woman used in making bread. And even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Also, very good, Jesus. Killing it. Two short stories about the kingdom, and they have some similarities. Uh, number one, they're both short. Number two, they're about the kingdom. But both have this at the center. The thing that's being compared to the kingdom of heaven is something small, but it's something that grows. Mustard seeds and yeast, both are small things. And Jesus says that mustard seeds are the smallest and yeast, anybody in here ever made bread, especially over the pandemic? Did, did, people here, did people here in the UK get on a sourdough kick? Yeah, everybody went nuts in America. Everybody was like, I've never baked anything. I'll make sourdough. <laughs> we were all just scared and we wanted bread. I mean, we thought we could die. We wanted, we wanted to go out with fresh break bread, you know? But have you, ever, have you ever used yeast? It's just, it's just dust. One of the other things my family does is we have eight acres of wine grapes and we make wine. We have a winery. We sell it, right? We make 650 cases a year and we sell it only in Taylor County where I live. And when we inoculate the wine, we do it with yeast and it's like powder. You could just do this with it and it would just go into the room. You just fold it into some dough and it becomes invisible. You can't even see it. You don't even know it's there. Both get hidden. Seeds get hidden in the ground and yeast gets hidden in the dough and both seem insignificant. Seeds and yeast don't seem powerful, do they? Both are obscure. Obscure in the sense that the role they play in the outcome is central you can't have bread without yeast, and you can't have a tree without a seed, but it doesn't seem like that at first. So that's what I want to talk about tonight. Here's why we have to lay hold of Jesus's words here. It's because everything in our culture is pushing us for something different. Here's what I like. I'll just tell you what I like. I like large, obvious, influential, and powerful. It's very American of me, isn't it? <laughs> That's what I like. I like large, obvious, influential, and powerful. Culture is forming us to prefer a particular kind of life. And it could be the sort of life that is profoundly counter to God's kingdom and how he works it in our lives. How does Western culture measure success? Money, fame, power, and success. And it's almost always connected to a number, isn't it? Like, what is success? It's usually money, fame, power, and some kind of winning, and it's almost always connected to a number. Ronaldo, he's got 365 million Instagram followers. I looked at it the other day. I hate the booze. <laughs> it occurred to me, it occurred to me, if you have 365 million Instagram followers, you have, a, you have a million for every day. That's a lot. 
It's incredible, isn't it? Elon Musk has a net worth of $162 billion. Probably has grown since I wrote that down. That's roughly a half billion per day. That's a lot of money, y'all. We could go to space. All of us. <laughs> This afternoon, I googled, who is the most famous person in the world? Google gave me The Rock. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. I was in my hotel room and I just cracked up laughing. It's Dwayne The Rock Johnson, y'all. I want to talk to you about the algorithms. By the way, the algorithms are not helping us. I've been talking a lot about the algos lately. They're not helping us. Uh, not only have we been trained to look at likes, we've been trained to look at followers, uh, we've been trained to see how many we have, how many likes our posts procure, we've been, noticed, we've been trained to notice how many likes other people's posts get, how many people follow us, how many people follow others. We've been trained to notice these things. They're like the subtle little cultural cues telling us what's important and it forms us. And if you flip through your reels on Instagram or TikTok, it will constantly serve, it will constantly serve you things that are doing well, you know? It's not just serving you what you like, but it's serving you things that are doing well because that's probably what you'll like. You're like, oh, awesome. I needed to see someone else run into the garage with their head. You guys know that one? Have you seen that TikTok where the guy drinks? He's like, I'm gonna drink a sparkle soda in one go. And he just like chugs this sparkle soda and he turns around because it's burning and he runs into the garage. It's high quality content. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, kids. But the message is this. The message is, this is what's important. This is what's worthwhile. It's not just that we look at the numbers or the content, it's that we associate the numbers with a kind of authority about life. We associate a particular kind of content with the notion that it is connected to real authority. It's that we associate these kinds of things with winning. You might ask yourself, well, what is a good life? And in the West, we have to say it's something like this, it's, it's, it's winning or those with the biggest following. Who can say what we ought to do or ought to be in this life? Well, if we look at what's around us, it's those with influence and people who have carefully curated themselves online. And so much of our attention is pushed towards a particular kind of understanding of power or what we need to have in order to do what we're called to do. All of this is making us believe a particular kind of message about what it means to be blessed or what it means to have authority, or what it means to be called, or what it means to be raised up. And then we come here, we open up our Bibles, and we have Jesus telling us a few stories that upend all of our notions. Little bitty stories about yeast and seeds. So I want to talk to you just for a minute about yeast and seeds. Nothing about a seed prepares you to anticipate its potential. Everybody just hold out your hand. Imagine there's a little apple seed in there. Anyone ever eaten an apple all the way down to the core and then like a seed falls out? You're like, oh, look at that little guy. You ever, have you ever picked up an, an apple seed and put it in your hand? You can put your hand down. I don't even know why we're doing that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> 
It would have been awesome if I made you just hold it there for 45 minutes, wouldn't it? Yeah. Have you ever looked at an apple seed? You know? Like, is there anything, is there anything in life that would, would prepare you to anticipate that an apple seed could become a tree? It seems impossible, does it? It, it doesn't even seem like it's connected. Uh, apple seeds are just these tiny little brown dried out things. In fact, they look dead. I was looking at one the other day and I, was, I looked at that little guy and I was like, this looks dead. You'd never guess in a million years that it could become a tree with fruit on it. Same thing for an acorn. It's a small little brown nut with a hat. That's the way I like to think of them. But you'd never guess that an acorn could be an oak tree. You'd never guess that that little small brown acorn could grow to be over 100 feet tall. And yeast. If you've ever baked bread, you mix the water and the flour and you put the yeast in. But in order for it to do anything, you have to give it a little time. and The yeast looks just like dust. And when you mix it in, it becomes completely invisible. And you literally can't find it. You can't find it. And Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a seed that looks dead and it's like yeast you can't find. This is how God is at work in the world. So on the one hand, God is a God who zaps people. He knocked Paul off a donkey. He slammed the 120 in the upper room. And he's also the God who is at work in an invisible, hidden, obscure sort of way that sometimes we don't anticipate. I want to say three things about this. Number one, small is okay. Everybody say this with me. Small is okay. You ready? We're going to do this together. Small is okay. Small's just fine. Things of the kingdom mostly start small. Most of what God is up to in the world right now is something you could overlook. Most of what God is doing in your life is something you could overlook. Most of what God is doing in your neighborhood is something you could overlook. Most of what's happening uh, that is of the spirit in your neighbor or at your school is something you could overlook. Most of what God is doing is like yeast and a little bit of dough. It's like a mustard seed in a garden. It mostly starts small. It's something you could overlook. So much of what God is doing in your life right now isn't all that impressive. The things that God has mostly done in my life didn't start impressive. It's seeds and yeast. And right now, the room, this room, this room is filled with young people, and you came to a conference on a Friday night. You could be dating. I don't know. Do we even do that? I don't know. You could be snapping. You could Snapchat someone right now. You, you can do that right now. Snap your best girl. I don't know. Just trying to connect with the kids, y'all. <laughs> I don't even know if this is what you do. You could be anywhere else right now, but, but you're at a church worshiping. You're listening to me tell weird stories, and you've been receiving prayer. God loves to move in these kinds of moments and these kinds of events. Uh, some people in this room are discerning a call to ministry. We stirred some of that up this afternoon. 
Other people in this room are wondering like, what's next? What's next? A, a lot of people in this room want to follow Jesus in a very real way. Some of you in this room might plant a church and some other people in this room, uh, you might become pastors who take over a church. And then some other people in this room, you might just finish up university and you might become, you might become like a Christian engineer or a Christian scientist, but not a Christian scientist. <laughs> Commas are important. That's a very niche joke. Maybe you have, uh, that really amused me, okay? I just want to tell you. And maybe you, maybe you have this thing in your heart and you, and you don't know what's next, or, or you have this hope in your heart, and, and maybe some of us in the room feel stuck, and maybe you think, maybe you think, I want to do something with God, or I want to do something with Jesus, but I just don't have enough influence. You know, that's like a modern word. That's a modern word. I don't have enough influence, you know? I don't have enough success. I've never even preached a sermon. Some of you are like, I have this thing in my heart. I feel like I'm supposed to like pastor, but I've never even preached a sermon. And I have like no influence at my church. I just make coffee, right? Maybe you're frozen and you feel utterly unqualified. Maybe you don't have anything to show for the call that you feel like you have. Maybe, maybe you've been embarrassed to even tell someone that you feel called because nothing in your outward life would connect anyone to the idea that you could be called to the ministry. And so you've just hidden it. Like you're here and you're hoping that a prophet will tell you in front of someone else. <laughs> Some of us here want to serve God and maybe we've been hoping that God will zap us Maybe you want a story like that. Maybe you don't have a story like that. And maybe you've been feeling like, maybe you've been feeling like you have a call from God, but you haven't taken any steps forward because you don't feel like you have a big enough story yet. Here's what I want everyone in the room to hear. The kingdom of heaven often starts small and insignificant. It's often hidden. It's often something you could overlook, even in your own life. You might be sitting next to your very best friend who is very called, and you haven't even seen it yet. The kingdom of heaven often starts tiny and unimpressive, not only to other people, but to ourselves. Maybe, maybe you feel a big, a big call, but there's only this tiny outward sign. Maybe you feel this really big call, but there's this, this outward sign is like, Tiny, here's what I want to say to you, great. Maybe you feel a very small call, like it's the tiniest, faintest thing. Here's what I want to say to you tonight, better watch out, better watch out. So much of, so much of what God is up to starts in a way that is hardly going to turn anyone's head. Pastors pay attention to people who seem to have a little bit going on. That's what I want to say to this room. Pastors, we've got to start paying attention to people who seem like they have very little going on. Why? Because in the kingdom, the thing that's really going to take shape, it's often starting really tiny, really small, hardly observable, very unimpressive, but it always, always grows. Let me tell you 
one more story. I want to connect all of this to our vineyard story. How many of you know that the vineyard, and not just this vineyard, but the vineyard, the big V vineyard, the one all around the world, how many of you know that the vineyard that's all around the world, that it started as a home group? We talked a little bit about that this afternoon. Like when the vineyard started, nobody had a plan of starting a worldwide denomination. John Wimber wasn't trying to start a world-dominating church movement. Here's how the vineyard started. It started with John and Carol Wimber. It started with Penny and Bob Fulton. It started with Carl Tuttle. They were in a small home group in Yorba Linda, California, and they went there because they were burnt out with church, they were about to give up, and they were desperate, and they cried out for God to give them something real. It started in a place that no one had any idea about, a place that I had never even heard of, a place that no one in this room would ever even know. You would have no reason to understand where your Belinda, California is on the map, except that God started something with a little bit of yeast and a little bit of seed, and he planted it in the ground, he worked it into the dough, and now it's gone around the world. Here's what I want to say to you tonight. Like maybe the thing that's in your life feels really small and you haven't moved forward, look out. Because in God's kingdom, what starts small keeps growing. In God's kingdom, what feels unimportant can take off. Those people were just hungry for God. That's it. Second thing I want to say, patience is everything. Just because it starts small doesn't mean it's going to stay small. The seed grows and the yeast blooms. But it takes time. I don't know about you, but I want things right now. I can Google every answer in a second. I can DoorDash food to my house in no time. Amazon can bring me pretty much anything I want by tomorrow. But what God's up to, it often takes years. Can I tell you something else about that story? That one where I got zapped? I got zapped when I was 17. When I got zapped, I felt the love of God. And I knew that it was connected to a call to ministry. I was leading worship pretty quickly after then, but I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't a lead pastor until I was 30. It took another 13 years for that seed to take root. It took another 13 years for that yeast to work its way through the dough. It takes patience, y'all. Patient and endurance are huge keys for our discipleship. Uh, this is not a sprint. This is not a sprint. This thing we're doing, it's a marathon. It is not a sprint. Just like I told you this afternoon, one of the things you'll never see Jesus doing in the Gospels is running anywhere. Jesus don't run. Some of you are like, amen. <laughs> Some of you are like, you know, I, I didn't want to run. Yeah. Some of you are like, I'm never running now. I have a spiritual reason to never run. <laughs> Number three. The good stuff, the good stuff takes time. The other day I came home, and when I entered the house, there was this unbelievable smell. You ever go home, and as soon as you open the door, like, there's just an incredible smell in the house, like, coming from the kitchen, and it's just in the whole house. It's like, I don't know what's going on in the kitchen, but something powerful is happening. Yeah, my wife, she had gotten home early. She had like put a roast in. She had taken these short ribs. She had put red wine in there. She had put some tomato sauce stuff in there. She had put the salt, the pepper, the 
spicy something, I don't know, and I cook. Not really, but it was powerful. I went in and you could just smell the whole house was filled with this aroma. You know, she had started that hours early, hours early. The house was filled with the aroma and you don't get those, you don't get those flavors quickly. It takes time. And what God is doing in you, it's deep. Friends, God is going, he is doing a deep and profound work in us. Might take a minute. One of the things he's doing this weekend is he's preparing you and I for his work. Here's the last thing I want to say to us. God has a vision for your whole life. Some of us, we're planners, and so we think ahead a little bit. Sometimes, sometimes for some of us who are planners, like we think ahead a little bit and it, like, it makes us feel better, and then others of us, it like provokes stress and anxiety and panic in us. We make our list. Others of us in the room, we've never given a thought to tomorrow. We're just like, I'm happy to be here. That's me, by the way. Uh, some of us have like a five-year plan, but here's what I want you to know. God has a plan for your whole life. Even now, God has a vision for the 80-year-old version of you who is following him. Do you ever think about that? Like many of us in this room are between 20 and 30 years. Like pretty much everybody lives to be 80 anymore. Like you can smoke cigarettes your whole life and live to be 90. That's my neighbor, he did. It's just wild, you know? You don't even have to be healthy anymore. There's a pill for everything, right? Like you could, you could be a disciple. I mean, who knows? Like let's say, let's say you become a disciple when you're 20. You might have to walk with Jesus for 70 years. Here's the thing I want you to know. Jesus has a vision for your whole life. For your whole life. He's not just interested in the 20-year-old version of you or the 30-year-old version of you. And some of us in this season, we feel small. Uh, we feel, some of us feel hidden. Some of us feel unseen. Maybe you're serving at church, but like, like you're just utterly unseen. And it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like God's preparing you for anything. Some of us feel like just really, really small. And here's what I want to say to every single person in this room, no matter how you feel. Like, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Like, God is planting something in your life. And even if it's small, even if it feels tiny to you, even if it feels insignificant, if it feels like it doesn't have enough influence, if you don't feel special enough, if you don't feel big enough, important enough, if you don't feel like the person who has gravity, if it feels like no one looks to you for leadership, if it feels like you know, everybody is always looking to someone else. If it feels like the floor is always tilted to other people, I want to tell you, do not lose heart because what God has planted in you is growing. It is seeds and yeast. It's multiplying. And sometimes I can't see it. I love that we landed worship tonight the way we did. Even when I can't see it, what? You were. Even when I can't, what? Feel it, you're working. It was a prophetic moment for us tonight. Feels impossible, and sometimes it's not obvious. And here's what I want to say to you this evening. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. This is the slow work of God, and it's the slow work of God that eclipses every other thing. It's going to be the biggest thing. So what do you do? What do you do? Three really quick things, like ultra quick. Number one, just keep saying yes. 
Number two, after you say yes, keep saying yes. And then number three, it's faithfulness over everything. So you say yes, you keep saying yes, and it's faithfulness over everything. Time, time wins every single, every single race in the kingdom of heaven. You let that yeast work, you, you, give, you give the yeast a decade and you watch out. You know, the person at your church that you think, ah, oh, I don't know if God's doing anything in their life. I promise you this, if they keep saying yes and they keep showing up, give them a decade, watch out. They might be, they, may, they could be leading anything, right? You, you could feel so small here tonight and you could feel like I'm called, but I just feel like I don't have much gravity or influence. I wanna say this, give it five years. I wanna say this, give it a decade. Uh, some of us in the room, might, we, might, we might have to wait on the yeast to kick for, for two decades. It might, it might take 20 years, you know? And here's the thing, don't lose heart. What God is growing in you is real, it is significant. Some of us in here have doubted. We felt very called. Some of us in here even got zapped. You've even come to one of these things before and you got zapped. You got zapped by the Holy Spirit and you thought, you know what, my ministry starts tomorrow. That's what I thought. I'll just tell you. Like, I got zapped a couple times when I was a teenager, and I thought, you know, I'll probably be pastoring, you know, I'll probably be pastoring most of the South of America, you know, by the time I'm 25. <laughs> yeah, why am I telling you that? Because oftentimes, this is just a key in God's kingdom. Oftentimes, when God comes to us and does something profound in our lives, it is profound, it is real, and oftentimes we think it's tomorrow but it's actually much, much longer. It's much, much further down the road. He's planting something inside of us, and it feels like it's tomorrow because the eternal one came and put something inside of us, right? So the one, so the one, the one who is yesterday, today, and forever, he came from your future, and he deposited something in you. You think it's tomorrow, but it might be, a, it might be 10 years from now. Don't lose heart. What am I saying to you? Don't lose heart heart. Do not discount the call that God has put in you. Some of us here, we've been zapped and we're like, man, nothing's happened for five years. Great. Let the yeast bloom. Some of us in here are like, I haven't even made one step in obedience or one step toward my call because I just feel so small and weak. Don't lose heart. The seed of the kingdom is in you and it is taking root. And seeds do this. First, they are hidden under the ground. You can't even see them at work. The first thing that happens is roots come out and, and they begin to push all kinds of things further in the soil. There's like all kinds of activity that's happening. You could walk into a field that is sown with the seeds of the kingdom and, and before they sprout, you could look at them and go, there is nothing here. Meanwhile, God is at work putting roots into the soil. I think that's what, one of the things that's happening this evening and then this weekend with this group of people. God is beginning to blow on his work in your life. He is filling up sails. He is putting solar power on the seeds of the kingdom in your life. He is causing the yeast of his kingdom to blossom in you. And he is saying to his church, do not lose heart. The only word I came to England with this weekend is do not lose heart. I'm going to preach to you every single session, do not lose heart. Some of us have nearly lost heart and God would say to you, do not lose heart. There are people in this room who are called. There are women in this room who are called. You're actually called to preach and you have not done it. You've not even told anyone. You were afraid to say anything to anyone because you felt so weak and small and unseen. And God would say, the yeast of his kingdom is about to bloom in your life. It might take another two years. It might take three. It might be tomorrow. Who knows? Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Ah, oh, the Lord is here. I'm beginning to encourage myself. 
Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Holla. <laughs> Guys, I'm just silly. Mm. And here's what I think we ought to do tonight. I think we need to, I think we need to pray for some people. I think, I think God has stirred, stirred his call. I think the spirit is here brooding over us. I, I, think, I think God has little grow lights over the seeds of our heart right now. I think there's like little, you know, anybody ever sprouted seeds in their windowsill? You put a little grow light in there. I think, I think the grow light of the kingdom is shining on our hearts. I think, I think he's proofing the yeast of our hearts. He's letting that yeast just go and go and go. That dough is beginning to blossom. I have no idea if this is right or not. I don't even know if that's how bread works. See, you can be a preacher. You don't have to know how anything works. This is true. Hey, if you're on, if you're on, the, if you're on the, the worship band, uh, you, could, you could come on up. We're going to begin to shift gears and go into ministry here. But here's what I would love. I would love it if everybody here in the room would just, would just stand where, right where you're at. And we're going we're gonna to ask the Lord to come and to, to move over us tonight. I think God wants to stir some things up. And I think some of us in the room here tonight have been all kinds of places. I think there's some people here who have felt very called by God. And there's people here who've felt like, man, I just, I didn't get zapped enough. It's probably someone else. I think God wants to speak to that. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you come? 